It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm Christiana Viegas, co-host of Talk Law Radio, and Marquardt Law Firm helps sponsor this show. I'm here today with Mr. Marquardt, and how are you doing today? Doing great. This is going to be one of our best shows, so if you're listening right now, you're in luck. And we're also on Facebook Live if you're tuning in. We'll be taking questions throughout the day because it's going to be a very special episode. We had to go to Kamar... Comarocas Mexican restaurant this morning. I got to enjoy the chorizo and papas plate. What about you, Mr. Marquardt? I always have the pancake and eggs, and uh, they didn't have warm syrup, so I'll have to cross them off the list. (laughs) We've been through a lot of restaurants. So some of them have been to Thousand Oaks Cafe, Bee's Mexican restaurant. Uh, We've even been to the first watch, but. We're still trying to look for our main restaurant where we can be able to visit every day, right? Yeah. If you have any recommendations for restaurants for breakfast on Saturday mornings, call in at 210-308-8867. We'd love to hear your recommendations. But aside from talking about our breakfast plans, what's the mission of Talk Law Radio? The mission of Talk Law Radio is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio. The State Bar of Texas wants attorneys like me to talk about the law, to inform the public about the law, but does not want attorneys to answer specific questions about your unique legal situation. Instead, contact a qualified attorney to represent you in those matters. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with a prayer. Of course. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help Master Sergeant Retired George Taylor, Bradley Dean, Christiana, and me Give good information to the listeners about NASCAR today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So NASCAR, I take it that we're not going to be having speeding tickets on the topic. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we talk a little bit about our guests Bradley Dean and George Taylor, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah, George is first. So what? how did you get into this? Um, how did I get into this? Um, I don't know if everybody remembers uh, Desert Storm. It was right after yeah. Desert Storm, believe it or not. I mean, I grew up a little bit in racing, but more in drag racing and things like that. But uh, after Desert Storm, I had to take some, uh, uh, with the military, we had to 
take some courses. And I ha I happened to become good friends with a guy. Uh, uh, we became buddies. You know, we hung out together whenever we could. And his name is William Petty. Uh, yes, he has an affiliation to Richard Petty. Uh, uh, distant cousins they are. But uh, he loves racing and knew his NASCAR racing. Anyway, we became best of friends. And uh, he was the one that introduced me, uh, you know, into racing. Uh, um, but can I say a few things about uh, William Petty? Yes. Uh, to me, he's Bo. One of the greatest guys I have ever met. Uh, give you the shirt off his back kind of guy. Um, super passionate about everything he does. Matter of fact, he 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 can get a, he can get a little bit annoying. He's so passionate about things. But uh, just to show you uh, how great of a friend he is, and he's still one of my best friends, maybe my best friend. But he has three bronze stars. He was he was uh, he was in one of the worst tank battles in oh, history. No. Hmm. And uh, so he, that's the kind of guy he is. Super super American. Loves his country. Loves his fellow man. So, uh, but anyway, Bo, Bo William Petty is the one that got me into racing and, uh, called me up one day. He says, what are you doing? I said, uh, not, not much. I'm stepping away from, from the military. And, uh, and he goes, well, head on to North Carolina. I may have something for you. Wow. So it started like that. And you'll tell us more about that in a absolutely. little bit. Absolutely. Okay. Also with us is Bradley Dean, who we call the super fan. Yes, sir. Since birth. Okay. <laughs> How did you get into that? Well, uh, my first memory of watching NASCAR was with my granddad and my dad in Lubbock, Texas, uh, watching the 2000 Atlanta NASCAR Cup Series race. And Dale Earnhardt barely edged Bobby Labonte at the end, and I was hooked from then. But uh, you don't drive for a living. You You didn't. Uh, you weren't a member of a team for NASCAR. Are you allowed to say what you do for a living? Yes, sir. I work for Thrivent Financial. Okay. And so that's what you got on your hat there. Yes, sir. Because uh, one time they were a sponsor of a NASCAR driver as well, right? Yes, sir. Levine Family Racing uh, used to be Michael McDowell was the driver. Uh, number 95, it's on the back of my hat. But... Um, we went to a race in Texas Motor Speedway and had a great time, and Mr. Levine is a great guy, and like George is going to talk about, there's a lot of great Christians in the NASCAR community. Well, let's talk about that now since you brought it up. I was going to bring that up at the end, but but since you said there's a, a lot of great Christians, uh, George, you, you were telling me that that's something that most people probably don't know about NASCAR. Yeah, I, I I think um I think those that uh go out to the races know about it, but anybody else that just watches it on TV, it doesn't know justice. I mean, it's like um the differences of watching an action packed movie on TV and being in it. You know, so uh but what I've learned and I, I learned as I went when I was there is that there's a strong fellowship on on the track. And uh, just to let everybody know, there was always men's prayer groups going on. And, um, you know, it was either it, sometimes it was run by one of the drivers. Mm -hmm. But the guy that comes to mind is uh, Morgan Shepard is his name. Uh, he's still actively driving. and He's almost 80 years old. Oh, wow. I hope, he, I hope I got that right. He may get mad at me. He goes, I remember you, you big muscle head. <laughs> but, um, but there was always a strong fellowship. And uh, they were very giving to the community. Um, 
you know, uh, they also, we were, we, the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, we were involved with that. So we, we try to get any, uh, bring any children that were having any kind of uh, medical uh, issues. Uh, they uh, put together uh, uh, events to draw money to help them with their medical bills and things like that. But the Christianity was always, you know, on track and they would have on Sunday, they would have ch a church in the infield. And just about every owner, driver, uh, a lot of the mechanics, if you were not busy, because let me tell you something, when you get on a track, it's extremely busy. It's uh, uh, just, uh, I don't even know how to, uh, what to compare it to, but if you if you could pull away and just watch, they just look like a bunch of ants going all over the place. Mm -hmm. but everybody has a purpose. And uh, something's always going on. There's cars moving, parts moving, building, dry, you know, whatever. And if there's anybody on the track and we can get an, a moment of time on the track and exposure, that took precedence over everything. I was just going to ask Christiana, are we taking calls today? We are definitely taking calls. So if you're an NASCAR fan and you can't wait until Sunday tomorrow, Ask the ones who have the experience, so call us at 210-308-8867. Or if you're following us on Facebook, Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. We're live streaming right now. I'm checking the comments, and I can be able to read out your questions if you type them in. Or if you're new to NASCAR, ask your questions, because I've had Please. to uh, bone up on the rules and everything as we've been uh, preparing for this show too. And apparently there's different levels of NASCAR racing. Uh, everybody confuses that NASCAR is just one category of automobile, but there's different levels, right? Correct. So we need to go into that more when we return here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Remember to call us by dialing 210 8867. That's 210-308-8867. This is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Stay tuned. Worried about what would happen if some violent encounter took you away from your loved ones? Who will protect your loved ones from probate? Protect yourself and what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense. RSVP today for our defensive measures for self-safety and asset protection seminar with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense at 5 p.m. on February 19th, Total Wine and More off Loop 410 by North Star Mall. Seats are limited. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. If you are a veteran over 65 concerned about qualifying for veterans' benefits, do not apply until you learn about new regulations passed in 2018. Markworth Law Firm and Brookdale Nacogdoches is hosting a free aid and attendance seminar on February 27th, 9 a.m. at Jim's Restaurant at 7000 North Loop 1604 West in San Antonio. Find out how veterans and their living spouses can qualify for VA benefits to help afford living in a care facility. Register now by calling 210-530-4278, markworthlawfirm.com. And welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're live today, this Saturday, when we're talking about a NASCAR special interviewing Bradley Dean and George Taylor. 
Yeah, so Christiana, how did NASCAR get started, do you think? I was wondering about that. I've heard rumors that it was started from the Prohibition period when alcohol was outlawed at a time. But I looked into it, and I believe there was some misconception about it. It wasn't that NASCAR was out there pedaling and bootlegging all that <laughs> liquor, but actually um, that they had to upgrade the cars and the engines and make it so that way it was faster. And then Prohibition period ended, and you got all these souped-up cars. What are you going to do but race them around then? Yeah, George, so where did they start racing? Yeah, the... Um... All, all, all these fabulous ideas that were started in, uh, in in the backwoods basically moved to the beach, and that's where they were racing them, uh, you know, down up and down Myrtle Beach and, and the Carolinas, and uh, even Florida, uh, anywhere they can they can go out and break break uh, speed. Uh, mm-hmm. How would you say? Uh, not get a ticket for speeding. Right. <laughs> they would they they would they would do it, and so yeah, that's what it was. Uh, a matter of fact, a lot of the rules and regulations were 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 created on there as far as uh what they call sandbagging. I'm sure everybody's heard about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with that term. Sandbagging is what they did is if, if you had a race car, you would you would fill the trunk full of sand and race and everybody go, that's a pig. I'll race that any old Why? Do you want to slow it down on purpose to run that way? And then okay. once once somebody did challenge you, guess what? You pulled out all those sandbags. Wow. <laughs> so that's all of a sudden <laughs> That sounds like an old way of a. Uh, all I can think of is the Fast and the Furious movies that they talk about the the nitro that ah, right, makes right. it run faster. So, right. before there was nitro, there was sandbagging. Sandbagging. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know. So, yeah, they they they. I'm sure they had. A matter of fact, just to let you know that uh, um, uh, at every race there was there would be several tables, and what would happen is that's where NAS, NAS, uh, NASCAR would uh, display any instrument that one of the teams would try to use to get an edge on another team that was basically illegal. Okay. And so it was the table of shame because <laughs> oh. everybody was going to know about it if you got caught. Uh-huh. And one of the, one of the uh, a custom saying around uh, the, the uh, pit area or the infield was, uh, or the paddock, what they call the paddock, was uh, if you're not cheating, you ain't trying. well uh, tell us while you're on the subject uh what did what was your role what was your team um my role i'm gonna sound i'm gonna sound a lot more important than i really was but uh i uh i did i did a lot of public relations uh uh uh, bo realized early that i had somewhat the gift of gab so so he, he he got me involved in that and i did enjoy it i got to meet a lot of um movie star singers uh, professional football players all that stuff and he noticed one thing about me is i never got i never changed i was who i was um i didn't see anybody you know i, I wasn't really intimidated so uh, i won't name too many people i met but one of my favorite ones was uh paul newman i hung really? out with, yeah i hung out with Whoa. paul newman Whoa. for two days it was the That's coolest awesome. time anyway but uh i did public relations um i did some marketing uh, I was involved in the creativity of the logo. I'm wearing my my team <laughs> shirt. Yeah, and uh, uh, so that was your team, Petty Huggins Mo- Motorsports. Yes. So if anybody has anything negative to say out there about me, please spare me. <laughs> 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 but anyway, that's what uh, I did. I, um, 
I, I was also the jack man on race day. I take a lot of pride in that. I got in trouble a lot, by the way. I get I, I got so antsy, I jump over the wall a little too early. Mm. So uh, sometimes we got penalized about that. So there's a lot of rules. Oh, and since we were talking about alcohol and NASCAR, just to let you know, if you bought an ounce of alcohol on the uh, inside the uh, paddock or or where we kept all the cars or the mm-hmm. pit, NASCAR will lay a heavy fine on you. Oh, goodness. So, I've read a court case uh, about a driver that was randomly drug tested, and he got in trouble. And uh, the reason it ended up in court is because he was trying to sue NASCAR, the, the company, uh, for defamation. And uh, the, the court said, but you signed all of these things that said you would abide by the rule book. Right. They did, and they, they, they hold you to it. They were really, really tough on you. So um, I noticed uh, every now and then everybody would complain. You know, we, we, we would say some folks were treated like prima donnas. And you got to have to, you, you kind of, you come to an understanding. Uh, uh, obviously, we didn't bring in as much money as Jeff Gordon. So, so I'm not saying Jeff Gordon had an up on us, but you know, he's another great guy, by the way. But uh, it, it is uh, that way. Okay, Bradley, I want to ask you about your racing experience. Okay, so from 2001 to 2003, I raced quarter midgets here locally in San Antonio and in Austin. So what is that exactly? So a quarter midget, there's a full-scale midget car, which are called sprint cars, and they race on dirt tracks and Mm -hmm. short tracks. Um, Quarter midget is basically a quarter size of that full-size car. So how old were you? I was 9 to 11 years old. Okay. So can you describe what this car would look like with a 9-year-old inside of it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. So we had a 1984 Fast Track. Uh, We bought it used from somebody, and, you know, the year was 2001, so you can imagine how. 20-year-old car already. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it was an old asphalt. When we, when I first started, so I was pretty good, I guess you could say, for my division. But uh, describe the car. What does it look like? So the car, I don't know how many horsepower it has, but it would go 40 miles an hour in a 120th of a mile track. And how tall would it be if a nine-year-old was standing next to it? It would be up to my shoulder as a nine-year-old, so about so three foot tall probably. Earlier you said it's like a, a lawnmower. Yes, sir. It, it is like a lawnmower engine with a roll cage. Okay. Yes, sir. So would it kind of look like those Mario Karts? Yes. That's a great comparison. Yeah, that is. I never thought about that. And, and, and not to laugh at, at what he described, but just remember, some of our best race car drivers came from that world. Jeff Gordon, you know, Stewart. Yes, a lot of these Labonis. drivers, I'm sure you, they are the Labonis, you know, so... Yeah, that's where. Uh, let's face it, race car drivers are not uh, that they're not born; they're created. <laughs> so, if you're tuning in, I'm sorry to disappoint you. It's not Sunday yet. You're tuning in live here on Saturday, and this is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquart talking about our NASCAR special with the veterans who were in the field and on the track, Bradley Dean and George Taylor. So, a little bit more about your experience and your championship wins. Well, I wouldn't say championship wins, unfortunately. I had a few race wins. (laughs) Okay. But like we're going to talk about today, uh, 
there was a guy that had a better sponsorship, we'll say. His dad owned a construction company, and he mm-hmm. would whip us every time. Oh, goodness. But anyway, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I made a lot of great memories and have to thank my dad because he was the owner, the crew chief, head mechanic, uh, head wow. sponsorship. I mean, he was <laughs> yeah. everything. everything. Wow. <laughs> can I ask, a, can yeah. I ask him a question? Yeah. Sure. What did it cost you to run that operation and how long during the season did you operate? So funny story. And this is kind of why I, uh, one of the first things that got me into what I do today now, but so we would have to buy new tires every mm-hmm. race and they were okay. $50 a tire. I know the feeling. Yes. sir. <laughs> And so my dad gave me some candy to sell door to door and raise money for wow. the tires so wow. that I would go faster. Wow. Okay. I mean, the car <laughs> itself was maybe $1,500. Yeah. Um, not too bad. Uh, anytime you had to replace a shock, it was maybe 70 bucks. Oh, and, goodness. you know, the stuff breaks. It's a race car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Every day. <laughs> so, but did you race all year or was it only part of the calendar year? I, I know they're still racing now, and I think it starts about the same time NASCAR does in mm-hmm. February and then ends in maybe September, September. a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, sure. Okay. So how fast would the cars that you were racing in, the smaller ones, do you know how fast of a mile per hour you were getting? Yes, ma'am. I mean, the, the little one-twentieth of a mile, I mean, it's a paper clip. you you would stay full throttle the whole way around and it would go 35, 40 miles an hour. And there would be eight or 10 of us out there, all 10 year olds mm-hmm. race, just, racing just for the flag. Just imagine sitting on a lawnmower going that fast. <laughs> not, and and let, he's, he's not giving himself, uh, Bradley's not giving himself enough credit. Uh, when, when you drive a little car like that in a little spot like that, that fast. Just remember how many cars did you have in there at the same time with you? The most was 12. Okay. So, so picture yourself inside a blender turned at half speed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's what it's like. So things, things change and come at you really fast, even at 40 miles an hour. Yes, sir. And I learned how to race, learned how to drive with no mirrors, you know, no spotter like NASCAR drivers have. It was all feel. So since we're talking about the, uh, the speed of how everything goes, uh, Cristiano, I, I wanted to bring up um, a case that I discovered. It's actually a, a criminal case that will help us uh, d- describe how fast NASCAR drivers actually go. And I want to reenact a cross-examination of a criminal defendant. Oh, okay? let's go. So I'll be the prosecutor and you be the defendant. Okay. You said you were pulling over from the police when they stopped you. No, I didn't say that. What did you say then? Let me correct you. I said when I saw the police sirens going that I sped up because I got nervous because I was was drinking and I didn't want to get a ticket for DWI, so I sped up and tried to get away. You didn't mind if you caused an accident or killed somebody? Oh, no, no. There was nobody. I was... I was... I may have been speeding, but I was very, I was very cautious, like making sure. So you were going about 100 miles an hour. Huh? You were doing about 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. Well, there's people that drive faster than that in NASCAR. 
Okay, but you say you've been drinking all night and didn't want to get pulled over for DWI, right? Yeah. Were you drunk? Well, I was drinking. Were you drunk? You can say I was intoxicated, but I wouldn't say I was drunk. I just couldn't pull over. And you're being cautious, doing 100 miles an hour, running through red lights and intersections, and you're being cautious? Well, there was nobody out there at that hour. And you knew that before you went through those intersections? Well, I'm pretty sure because I checked real quick. You know, I'm I'm not blind. I can see. Okay. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that out because he mentioned NASCAR. It was just funny to me. So, so we yeah. got to hear a little bit about how fast Bradley was going. But after we come back from this break, I would like George to be able to answer us. How fast do the actual NASCAR cars go on the track? Absolutely. So thank you for staying with us today. We are still live and taking more questions. If you dial 210-308-8867, that's 210-308-8867. Ask us your NASCAR questions here on this special for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Stay tuned. Welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Viegas, and we're live today on the radio and on Facebook Live taking comments on our topic today about a NASCAR special with our guests, Bradley Dean and George Taylor. I just finished closing our last segment about how fast cars can go in NASCAR. So, George, can you tell us on the track? I'll do my best on what I know about the cars back then, because I was actually involved in the 90s right up to the early, I mean, right before 9-11, basically. Okay. Okay, so uh, I know that uh, depending, and Bradley knows about this, they have different kind of tracks. They have super speedways and flat tracks and oval tracks. So that really sets the pace on how fast some of these cars can go. But I want to say that in in average they're all going about 160 to 200 miles an hour. Wow. Okay, so, and, uh, and NASCAR has a, uh, they use it as, a, as a, a competitive tool. So cars, uh, it's up to the, the, the uh, teams to be able to get that car to move as fast as it can go, but with, a, with limits. Because I'm going to let you know that, uh, it, these guys are extremely talented, and you can you can get some of these cars to go way above 200 miles an hour. I'm not talking way above 200 miles an hour, but NASCAR has realized throughout the 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 life of NASCAR that some of these cars were way too fast. And Bradley can Amen. know about this. Back in the early, I want to say early 70s, mm-hmm. there was these uh, cars they created. Dodge created, as a matter of fact, that. Um, Roadrunners, you know, uh, Superbirds, they yes. called them. Those things were right out of right out of the factory. They were pushing that kind of speed. So, 
So if you're tuning in right now and you, any of these cars are flashing the interest of favorite racers that you like to watch on NASCAR, call in and let us know. Ask us your questions by dialing 210-308-8867. That's 210-308-8867. This is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt on the topic of NASCAR racing. So there's different levels. Is it sort of like minor leagues, major leagues? Yes. To tell us about that. Well, you want to start out sure. with some? Brad? I'd say it's like freshman, JV, and varsity. Okay. If we're comparing it to high school, there's NASCAR Truck Series, which is like the freshman, you know, 18-year-olds mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, I don't know about back in the 90s, but... Uh, back in the 90s, they also had what they called... Who, who, poor guys don't get much, um, in, uh, how do you say, advertisement or marketing because they were really the poor teams, and that's where a lot of these uh, major teams came from, but that's ARCA racing. Mm. Uh, and yes, uh, they what they did is they, they looked just like, like NASCAR. They just don't have the kind of money that, that, they, that gets thrown around at NASCAR. But uh, ARCA racing, of course, the midgets, the quarter midgets, you know, they have um, the bandits. Uh, you said know. something about a, a bush race. What, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, the bush, uh, the bush league was where normally a lot of the big drivers start out. That's you can call the, the JV squad. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, so but that, that that requires a lot of money to run that, that on average uh, back when I was there, it took about. I want to say between six and eight million dollars to run a team, a full functional team in Bush, you know, and uh, for uh, the, I'll call it the upper classmen uh, <laughs> would be uh, back then. Just to, some, some of you guys go, this guy is really old because I'm going to mention Winston Cup. Woo. OK. And and <laughs> I, and Nextel. So that makes me extremely old. But those are the that's the big league. And those cars uh, minimum at minimum ten million dollars to run a team. Where Whoa. do you get ten million dollars? <sighs> Not from my. <laughs> but uh, that's that's where sponsorship comes from. Uh, yes, and, and I know that Bradley can can go at the local level of sponsorship. Because I know that's what a lot of the uh, ARCA racing and the uh, um, the quarter midgets and all that they they stick real close to their you know the local warehouse uh, 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 grocer engine shop yes, sir. engine shops anybody that can give them a dollar you know mm-hmm. to include you know selling candy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's sir. amazing. And so, are all the cars the same? It, yes. If um, Yes. Uh, next, same but different. There, yeah, same but different, you know, and that's why it's so hard to describe. But there's uh, NASCAR provides what they call templates, and every car has to fit that temp- template. It measures the car from front end to back end, from side to side, all the way back. And you, It's got to be the same shape. Basically Correct. the same aerodynamic shape. Now, there's little, little places you can tweak, and that's where creativity you know, comes from, and I'm going to tell you, I ran into some of the smartest people I have ever met in my life with zero, you know, I can't say zero. Most of them, yes, graduated from high school, but some of them had minimal amount of education and they had more um, creativity and ability and understanding than an engineer. I mean, these guys, uh, I met the uh, engine tuners for uh, for the Ronald McDonald car. When I met this guy, I, I just... 
I couldn't stop staring at him. Uh, he just didn't seem like somebody, uh, you know, that you would, you know, compare him to Einstein. But this wow. guy can, I promise you, I watched this guy fine tune headers. I don't know if anybody know what headers are, but headers are part of the car where the exhaust manifold feeds into, and they're so important to the horsepower of a, of a, of an engine. But this guy outdid a computer in tuning headers wow. with his own ears. I was like, <laughs> what? I, I just, just can't teach that. <laughs> right. You know, so did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, what about the differences between Ford and Chevy and Dodge and Toyota? Um, does that matter? It, 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 it does, you know, um, and I'll tell you where it matters. Not so much in the shape of the car. Some, it does very little. What it matters is how much money they give to um, to the series. What it is is that uh, sometimes they, the individual teams do they get a they get some like a stipend you know stipend mm -hmm. uh, of money, but for the most part, it's testing. Yes, sir. The the these these companies Chevy or Dodge, they allow so much money to be used for testing, and they take that technology and invest it back into their own vehicles. Mm -hmm. So if you see a a, a new Dodge with more horsepower. They may have gotten a lot of ideas from NASCAR. Okay. So, uh, and you mentioned sponsors. What are some sponsors that you worked with? Um, we had we we dealt with several. Uh, I could say that the biggest one we had was um, Island Oasis, which I'm wearing the. Uh, uh, Wherever you guys are, I'm giving you free marketing right now. <laughs> yeah, I see it on your jacket yes. there. Watch yeah. on Facebook because yeah. this jacket is awesome. <laughs> yeah. but, and uh, definitely, if you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, look up Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt, and you'll be able to see George Taylor with his amazing jacket on our YouTube channel. But in the 90s, that was during the, uh, the dot-com era. The, yes. All the websites and the internet. Did you did you pursue those sponsorships? I'm so glad you brought that up because <laughs> yes, we were we were we were one of the first ones on the track. Uh, we tried to secure. Okay, I'm going to go way back historical days, but AOL. We wow. we approached. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that brought back some memories, <laughs> right? Yeah. Can you still hear that dial tone? <laughs> you know. But yeah, we went we went so far back to those days. But uh, we were uh, we um, we secured Yahoo, who is still alive today. Mm -hmm. Hoorah! But I, if 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 we had more time, I could tell you a funny story that happened. How we secured that uh, that uh, it would be hard to believe. But if you know, if Todd gives us a little more time later, I'll I'll go back and explain how we got that uh, sponsorship. So I have a quick question. Every time that you had a change in sponsorship, if someone dropped from being a sponsor or you got a new add-on, did you have to throw out the jackets or was there just like a process of putting in a new embroidery design? No, we we, we had to change the jacket. <laughs> we had to. That's why this one looks in such good shape. <laughs> It's slightly used if anybody wants to buy oh. it. <laughs> so tell us about, but besides the tweaking of the car to make it go faster, what are some other things that uh, you would use to get a competitive edge during a race? Uh, during a race? Uh, you strategy. mentioned 
Oh, really? What yes, what about strategy? I mean, the crew chief. Oh, yeah, yeah. The crew chief determines when you pit, when you get new tires, how many tires you put on, uh, what adjustments need to be made to the track bar to make the car tighter or looser. And, you know, looser means the back end's stepping out in the yeah. corner. If you're loose, you're fast. Yes, amen. I'm sure that's a lot of misconception that people who don't understand NASCAR, uh, I will admit, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of NASCAR. It was hard for me to understand why are people so interested when they're all going in the same direction. They're all going in the same circle, but turning left from, (laughs) and they're all going in the same direction. If you're not first, you're last. But it it sounds like there's a lot more intricacy and movements and decision-making that has to go into it in order to get that edge just by a couple of millimeters. Right, Brad? Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe less. (laughs) We really have to cover more of this when we return from breaks. So stay tuned. Send us your questions through Facebook live stream if you're in the comment section. But dial in at 210-308-8867 as we talk about NASCAR here today on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Stay tuned. veteran over 65 concerned about qualifying for veterans benefits do not apply until you learn about new regulations passed in 2018. Markworth Law Firm and Brookdale Nacogdoches is hosting a free aid and attendance seminar on February 27th, 9 a.m. at Jim's Restaurant at 7000 North Loop 1604 West in San Antonio. Find out how veterans and their living spouses can qualify for VA benefits to help afford living in a care facility. Register now by calling 210-530-4278. MarkworthLawFirm.com. Worried about what would happen if some violent encounter took you away from your loved ones? Who will protect your loved ones from probate? Protect yourself and what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense. RSVP today for our defensive measures for self-safety and asset protection seminar with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense at 5 p.m. on February 19th, Total Wine and More off Loop 410 by North Star Mall. Seats are limited. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Viegas. And if you were listening through the commercials, we are having one of our meetup seminars on February 19th, where you can meet Todd Marcourt in person. But we're back today live talking about our NASCAR special. So I understand that there's different positions other than actually being the driver on the track, right? Yes, <laughs> most certainly. <laughs> so who are they, Brad? Well, I, I talked a little bit about the crew chief. Um, somebody very important that we hadn't talked about yet is the spotter. And they stand on the top of the grandstands with an eagle eye view and are basically any blind spots that the driver may have, um, you know, telling him if somebody else is taking a different line, maybe he's on the bottom in the corner and there's a guy that's faster up on the top if he can tell him that to go up to the top um but coming up daytona this weekend spotter may be more important than driver absolutely there's a lot of negotiating that takes with those spotters up there uh they they start 
uh, if you're going to, st- if you, if you, when you watch, if you do watch Daytona this uh, coming week, uh, you'll see that they line up in a, what they call a train. And sometimes those trains, you have to get in there by invitation only. So <laughs> yeah, those spotters are out there talking to each other and, hey, you, you mind if I get behind your guy and he can pull me along and then when he needs a little help, I'll help him out. So there's always uh, a, no- a negotiating factor going on. You know, so there's a lot. Oh, of you mean spots. when the the cars are lined up behind one another? Right. Yes, okay. Yeah, they, they're doing that for aerodynamic reasons, and they pull each other. They, uh, they, uh, you save a lot of fuel. You can save a lot of fuel and a lot of tire, and that walks into that strategy that that crew chief he depends on those things. So he goes, "Oh wow, we can get a little more life out of that tire, or we can get a little more life before we come in and uh, fill up with fuel." So if you can get that extra lap over. You know, you you just might win a race. Amen. You know, so they. And you mentioned uh, one time when you noticed something, how to fix a car to make it run faster. Absolutely. Uh, I I know I'm going to get a whole bunch of the mechanics uh, calling me and and, and saying I'm a you know what artist. (laughs) But (laughs) I I just remember I'm not a mechanic guy, so it's not really like I know what I'm doing, uh, but I understand, you know. Uh, a, a car, but I've got a I've got a good ear for things, and uh, I remember being at the track one day, and they just could not figure out what was going on with this particular car. They just they they kept pulling it in, pulling it out, you know, doing this, changing that, changing tires, and nothing was happening. But I, you know, I, I walked up to the crew chief and said, "Hey, look, I, I know you might say I don't know what I'm talking about. Get back in your corner and suck your thumb." But he didn't. He says, "What do you got?" I said suspension man i really feel it's something about your suspension if you can and i didn't even think he really paid much attention but next thing i know he was barking out orders to you know different combinations of of suspension changes and all this and all of a sudden you can hear it the car was just it was lighter on its wheels it was just (laughs) moving a little bit faster so they went in that direction and later at you know later part of the of the race greg walked up to me and top and pat me on the back. He says, look, the rest of the team may tell you to shut up, <laughs> but you come to me and I'll listen to you. I say, I appreciate it. And you said that one of the things you did was you were the jack man. Right. And what is that like to be the jack man? Oh, man, very exciting. The jack man sets the pace. He's the first guy over the wall. So you, you come over that wall and then everybody else follows suit. Um, you know, uh, you get up there uh, you 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 get that jack that weighs about it's it's it, it can hold you know several tons and but it weighs next to nothing you go wow it's like it's made out of uh, you know high grade aluminum mm-hmm. and so uh, it weighs very little you jump over the wall with that and that's why I guess they wanted me to be a little husky I'll <laughs> use those words today husky <laughs> so anyway you what was so cool about that is that I had to be taught again and what you do is you take that. You take that jack, hold it close to your body, uh, saving your back, and you look down the lane as the car's coming at you at 55 miles an hour, and you bend over, and it barely slides across the top of your head. That's how you know (laughs) you're not too far and you're not too close. If you're too close, it knocks you unconscious. If you're too far, you miss lifting the car, and everybody's going to beat you up afterwards. So there's also a, a, a knot on the right where you're going to lift that car mm-hmm. and you have to be precise in planting. And it's, it's what they call, they, you're a two pump j- jack man. Mm-hmm. It takes two pumps and that car is in the air. And of course that's where the tire guys go to work. 
So you mentioned the danger that you had to experience at being the Jackman, but what other dangers do the rest of your pit crew have to face? Uh, you know, besides uh, besides getting struck by a, by a race car, you know, there's uh, the biggest fear was fire. Uh, some of this fuel was high grade uh, in, and had a lot of alcohol, so when it burned, uh, you couldn't see it. Mm. And uh, as a matter of fact, one time my my leg was on fire. Oh. I had no clue. All I I just had this warm feeling like the temperature was getting hot. <laughs> so somebody said, hey, man. And, they, and everybody's pretty calm. They said, hey, your leg's on fire. You know, so, you know, then they, they, they pat and put it out. But they, they have other things there that help you, you know, mm-hmm. dis- distinguish the fire. But I want you to know that today, everybody, NASCAR has, knows about these things. So now everybody's required to wear a Nomex suits, mm-hmm. complete covered, gloves, Nomex gloves. You have to wear a helmet for those, so you don't have a head injury, you know. And uh, uh, the the proper shoes, and you are well trained. It's no longer that you could just walk off the street and become a jackman or or a crew member. Mm-hmm. Don't want to have a Ricky Bobby incident, right? No, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, what are some other dangers that you've seen as a super fan? Um. I would say for the drivers, anytime they crash, you know, something could explode in the car and, mm-hmm. and if they flip, I mean, I flipped twice when I was racing quarter midgets. One of them was a full rotation and one of them I just kind of plopped over, but it's scary. Uh, anytime you wreck for sure. George, you said before that they had to uh, modify the cars so that they were all tethered, all the parts were being tethered together. Correct. Um, these cars, again, they're traveling, you know, 200 miles an hour plus in some cases, right? They hit that wall, they start to disintegrate. And uh, so what they did is they had to tether everything, the tires, the engine. And I could tell you that, uh, it, it, you know, we learn from our mistakes. And I remember when they tethered the engine because uh, – I think it was the Bodine brothers mm-hmm. had a really bad wreck. And we were there for that race, and I thought he died. It was just horrible. And the car, the, the, it was in the truck series. It crawled up, to, up, crawled up the wall into the fence, and the engine landed, but I want to say five feet from our photographer. Okay? Uh, that's a whole engine that flew, you know, I don't know how, right. many, how far. You know, so it, and, and let's not forget, uh, we lost two you know, we've lost several race cars, but I, that I was present when it happened was uh, Adam Petty and Dale Earnhardt. I happened to be there when those things happened. And you talk about it didn't look that bad. That's what everybody said. You know, uh, you know, I remember turning my head when Adam, I was sitting on top of the hauler when I heard him hit the wall. And I said, eh, it couldn't be that bad. And sure enough, you know, he, we lost Adam Petty. So... It sounds like although we don't face the same regulations of being on the road and on the highway of those traffic regulations, there's still laws to consider like the personal injury cases, right, Mr. Marquardt? Yeah, I read this case here in San Antonio where uh, there there was an accident. The volunteer fire department went to the scene. Uh, but somebody forgot to close one of the back doors on the truck. And uh, the fire truck was driving to the scene, uh, going the wrong way down a one-way street. And so the, the the guy that was waiting for the truck 
was facing the wrong direction. He was waiting for it to come the other way, and the truck didn't have its sirens on, so he didn't hear it coming. And when when the truck flew by that man, uh, that back door that was open just hit him and knocked him down and, mm. I guess, caused an injury. So, uh, again, it's nothing against NASCAR. It just happened <laughs> during a NASCAR race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I wanted to make sure and ask is uh, you said that Jeff Gordon was uh, a phenomenal driver. And so what is it that made Jeff Gordon so damn good? Um, you know, um, I, I I got it here. Um, well. Brad, what are some? Who are some of your favorite drivers? I I would say definitely one of my all time favorites was uh, Dale Earnhardt. Um, my favorite right now is Brad Keselowski because he's kind of an old school okay. um, feel about him. But what what would you say about Jeff Gordon? You know, Jeff Gordon. I was I remember I was walking down the uh, on the uh, in the infield and uh, I ran into Ray Abraham. Everham, and he was uh, Jeff Gordon's uh, crew chief at that time. And I guess, what makes him so great? And he says he's a he's a cookie stamper. He says he can cut, he can you know duplicate a a a lap to the T every time. And if you can do that on a track that you're going to go around 500 miles, 300 miles, that's incredible. Yes, sir. Okay. That's another huge challenge that we haven't even talked about yet, the length of the races. And, and another challenge that we're going to have is wrapping it up in the next two minutes. So <laughs> a quick 30-second summary. We talk about legacy at the end of every show because Marquardt Law Firm helps sponsor the show, right, Mr. Marquardt? Right, and you you guys know we do last wills, living trusts, yes, and sir. estate yes. plans. You did my family's. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Bradley, what would you say your legacy is going to be? Wow, what a question. Um, I hope spreading the word of God as much as I can and uh, loving my family. That would be my legacy, I hope. Amen. Yes, sir. And how about you, George? Uh, same. You know, I, I, I want to leave a – I want to make sure that I take care of my girls. I, I, I want to give them – one thing that I want is opportunity that I never got. I want make sure they have those opportunities and uh, and use it for a good cause. So – Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys for being on the show. This was an awesome episode. Thank you. And I'm going to enjoyed it. I'm going to be uh, watching a race sometime <laughs> soon. Heck yeah, tomorrow. Bush Clash. Well, yeah. Thank you for joining us here today, live as we were able to talk about our NASCAR special with Bradley Dean, George Taylor, and every Saturday at 11 with your host, Todd Marcourt. Remember to tune in at 11 next week when we return on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. But if you want to meet Todd in person, visit marcourtlawfirm.com and find out when we have our next seminar coming up this month, February 19th. Visit Todd Marcourt from Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt on Saturday at 11. We'll see you next time.